The Aaron Arnett Show. They thought they could keep him locked up in radio purgatory. But they were wrong. And now he's back for one final stand. With the most intelligent expression of free speech, still legal in all 50 states, here he is, the future of radio, Aaron Arnett. Hello, America. Welcome to a new week. I am thankful that this week we had some new email subscribers to the program. And remember, the reason we have that emailing list is simple. There may be a time when the corporate media entities decide that the information provided here is too tightly based on truth and therefore must be silenced. That's why it's important that we are connected in as many ways as possible, just in case something happens there. So please join our email list by going to our website, AaronArnett.show. It's my name. If you're on your phone, you need to go to the website, AaronArnett.show, then click on the menu button, then click subscribe. If you're on the computer, just head to the website and click subscribe. It shows up on the home screen on the computer. I also want to mention that you can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, and on YouTube. I'll place links to all those in the show notes here. Uh, on our YouTube channel, that's where you can find some one-offs and bonus content. Last week, we put up the recording of the show's uh, intro segment, and uh, we actually had it live. So if you were a su subscriber to our YouTube channel, you could see that there live as it was happening. Now, <laughs> now that we've got business out of the way, here's to the topic at hand. Ladies and gentlemen, when I'm not with you here, I'm always thinking, and I mean constantly, about what is going on in our world, why it's happening, and how to explain it to you. Now, I know that you probably don't need the explaining. You're smart enough. You can figure it out yourself. But you have other things to concern yourself with during the week. Things such as making a living, feeding your families. You live in real America, unlike most progressives. The thing that I kept coming back to as I was thinking during our time apart is this. That in everything we see in our world, it's a fight not necessarily against us. What do I mean by us? I mean us as conservatives, us as Christians, no. But the fight is against God. Later in the program, we'll talk about something that is particularly alarming, that should help you think more critically about who you line up with, where you put your flag. Ladies and gentlemen, if we are to remain our to, to maintain our republic, we have to keep reminding ourselves that we are a nation based on truth, not on anything else. And one of those, those truths is what I want to talk about in this moment. One of those truths is in God we trust. At one point in history, we decided that was the phrase that we were going to put on our money to show what we stand for here in America. And you know something? That wasn't long ago. It seems like something that would have been from the founders, right? The phrase in God we trust first started to make the rounds, politically speaking, during the Civil War. The Union 
used this phrase a lot to show that they were fighting for what they were fighting for because they believed that it was God's will. From there, In God We Trust first showed up on currency on a two-cent piece in 1864. But it wasn't until 1955, under President Dwight Eisenhower, that the requirement that those four words be placed on every piece of American currency. And in 1957, the first paper money with the phrase, In God We Trust, entered circulation. Now, when we look at how much has changed and how it changes more and more rapidly, let's take a look at that. 1955 wasn't that long ago. 66 years ago, our nation thought that it was important enough to tell the world that in America, we trust in God. If Congress had the opportunity to change it today, which I'm surprised they haven't yet, they more than likely would put the phrase, in us we trust, which is really just a cover for their absolute devotion, whether they know it or not, to Satan. A lot of you are probably shocked at those words. But I'll let you I'll let you think on that. Now in God we trust not only was declared to be put on money, but in that proclamation by Congress, it became our national slogan. And it replaced an old one. Do you remember what, what, what the other slogan is? Maybe you learned it in school. A pluribus unum, which is Latin. But in English means out of many, one. And I must say, I like that slogan better. Why, you ask? Because in a human sense, it more accurately describes what America is. And don't misunderstand me. I love the phrase, in God we trust. However, there's a lot of people in America today who say they believe in God. I've spent some time on the streets in the past telling people about the gospel, that we're all sinners, that Jesus came, died, rose again, that we can have eternal life with him. And out of a few dozen conversations I've had in situations like that, when I open it, I ask, do you believe in God? They almost always, almost always say yes. But when you dig deeper, you find that they don't believe in the God of the Bible. So how can our slogan be, in God we trust, if really as a nation that's not how it is? Now, now I admit, that delves more into the theology behind what we put on our money and is more complicated than Eisenhower probably ever imagined. So I'll, I'll leave that there. But I do want to talk about A Pluribus Unum. Out of many, one. When I've talked to people abroad, one of the things that I encounter often is that they don't understand why their friends who leave for America later return and will say things like, well, I'm not Colombian anymore, I'm American. People will say to me, how is that so? They were born in Colombia, their parents are Colombian, all their ancestors were Colombian, they're Colombian! And to that I've always replied, that's the beauty of America, my friend. Anyone 
who thinks that America is a racist country is an idiot. In America, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you believe. As long as you hold these truths to be self-evident that all men were created equal and you choose to live by our laws, you're one of us. A pluribus unum. America is a country bound together on a common agreement of the truth. It's not bound by sex, by race, religion, or anything else. Despite the fact that it says in God we trust, religion isn't what holds us together. Everybody is welcome who plays by the rules. Now, as a conservative Christian, I benefit from the freedom of religion. It means that I get to practice my faith and others can practice theirs. I believe that I'm right. But in the sense of how we govern, that doesn't matter. They're free to do what they choose, believe what they choose, just like I am. Now, the left, progressives, no longer believe that all men were created equal. They believe that some were born as the haves and some were born as the have-nots. As such, their aim in life is to lift up the have-nots and to take down the haves. But you know what's going to happen if they achieve their goals? You would create even more have-nots and even fewer haves. Their plan only ends with a few people in control and eventually one government ruling the world. The rest of us are just comrades. Now, I'm not saying that in an Alex Jones kind of way. That, oh, there's going to be a one world government, the Bilderbergers are in trouble. No. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is watch the news. Watch these conferences that are going on. There was the, I keep wanting to call it the COP26, but I think they were calling it COP26 that was happening uh, recently in Europe. And how dare you? Greta Thunberg was there. And, you know, I got to say, it was pretty funny when I saw her, I saw her uh, doing, what was she singing? She was singing the, uh, never gonna give you up. And it was pretty, it was pretty cute. You know, like when you, when you see a 12 year old doing karaoke or something at the Christmas party, that's what it was like. How dare you? She's 18 now. She looks like she's 12 though. I'm sorry. But what they want is it's not good enough for all these countries to get together and to agree on a climate thing. They want one governing body in control, and they're not secret about it. They say it themselves. Look it up. What do you think the Great Reset is about? Is that about more individual freedoms in every country that's involved? No. And that's the truth. So we need to pray. We are blessed to live in the last, the last free country on earth. You don't believe me? We used to look at Canada and say, well, they're kind of a weird cousin up there, eh? And now they're not allowing people to leave who aren't vaccinated. Citizens of Canada, hockey-loving, toothless cousins, are now not able to leave their country because of the people they voted in. Is that the kind of America you want to live in? So we're the last free country on earth, but the tables are turning. Remember, in God we trust. And out of many, 
many races, many backgrounds, many stories. We are one as Americans. That doesn't mean that all religions are the same and lead to heaven. No. But it means that geopolitically speaking, we can actually be tolerant. Which means that I disagree with you, but I don't try to destroy you. I don't try to kill you. I don't try to ruin your life. I don't try to take your job away. I don't try to take your kids from you. But that is what the left has left behind. They do want those things because they believe that they are the ultimate saviors to everybody who's not white. The left, the left is the white savior that they complain about, whether they know it or not. Because they don't think, if you're African American or Hispanic, I hate the word Hispanic, if you are a person who's not white, <laughs> and I say that because I hate all the terms they've invented, whatever you want to be called, if you want to be called black, brown, Mexican, Hispanic, whatever, tell me what you want to be called and that's what I'll call you. Unless you were born a woman, I won't call you a man. But as far as those things that you can't pick, I'll call you what you want me to call you. The left thinks that they're smarter than you. That you can't do it on your own. You can't make it on your own. That's why you need Hillary Clinton. That's why you need Joe Biden. That's why you need our president, Robinette Biden. The wussiest middle name that I've, I'm willing to be proven wrong. The wussiest middle name I've ever heard. (laughs) in the world. Hussein was better than Robinette. I never thought I would say that, but it is. They think that they are smarter than you. And because that you're black, you can't figure out, you can't hold a job on your own. You need the government to pay for you. That's what they think. What do we think on the right? That you are capable, that God is in control, and that if you are living a righteous life, If you're doing the things that God wants you to do, will you be a millionaire? No. But you will in America. And it's hard because we're splitting, we're we're mixing uh, faith and we're we're mixing politics and government. But I will say that in America, the goal is, if I were to have my way, you'll have the equal opportunity. Every single opportunity will be the same for everyone. Doesn't matter if you're black, white, Asian, Hispanic, Latino, whatever. Doesn't matter. You have the same opportunity. But it's not going to be handed to you just like it wasn't handed to anybody else. It wasn't handed to me. I'm still waiting for it to be handed to me. But it wasn't. The only thing that we are guaranteed in this life is that we're going to die someday. That's the only thing you're guaranteed. That you will die. And you need to realize that God is your provider. Jesus died for you. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to wait for the government to hand out something to you? No, you shouldn't because you're better than that. But the left doesn't believe that. They don't think you're better than that. They don't think you're capable. They think that they have to save you. They can't save you. They're trying to play God. That's not the role of government. That's not supposed to be the role of government. So I thank you for downloading this program. I do want to explain to you a little the the difference in the format, uh, starting with today's program. I've been doing a lot of thinking, and the one thing I've I've just come to come to this realization that 
If you're going to take the time to download this, I need to make the best program that I can that is that is better for podcasting. And so you may have noticed in the the beginning episodes how you know we had the breaks and and that kind of stuff and the reason that that was happening is that my goal was to have this set up to be in in a radio format to be picked up by radio stations someday and maybe someday that'll happen and I could do another show that was uh, more geared towards the radio format but I decided that it's it's better to give you a program that is more listenable uh, that maybe you know, it, it's more fluid and it goes and I try to get myself not out of breath too much. And then the reason that I get myself out of breath is because I have a really terrible chair to sit on. I'm sitting on a stool and having to lean over to speak into the mic. And so I'm crushing my diaphragm trying to do this. And so I'm taking so many extra breaths. And if I sit back, then I'm too far away from the microphone. It's a really difficult thing. So you can go to show, join the Freedom Club and uh, support me so that I can get myself a better chair and desk set up. But in the meantime, I want to give you the best program possible, which is why it'll be a little bit, bit a little bit more fluid sounding, a little more real, and um, just going with the the longer format in mind. Try to give you the same you know time duration if possible. Maybe every episode won't be as long. Trying to get around the forty two minute mark or so, uh, but but a little bit more fluid in the programming. And I just thank you for sticking by and being a part of it. Now, the issue at hand that we need to talk about two giant things happening over this past weekend. And I'm sure if you were to sit there and think for yourself, which I know you can, that you probably have both stories in mind. The number one story that we're going to start with tonight is the story, well, tonight, today, tonight, whenever this is for you, is the Kyle Rittenhouse story. Now, Kyle Rittenhouse was found not guilty on all counts. If you weren't watching the trial, I'll explain a little bit more of the, the, the timeline of what happened with Kyle. I will do that in just a minute, but I will also say that he, the judge, or the, I, you know, I got to be honest, I don't know if it was the judge or the jury, but before they even, uh, that must have been the judge, before they went to any deliberations, a day or two before that, the judge threw out the gun charge. Very important, and I'll get to that in a second. But um, I, I do need to explain some stuff, but first I want to talk about the timeline and the arguments that I've heard uh, against Kyle since the thing, since the 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 verdict came out, I believe that was on, yes, it was on Friday. Um, the verdict came out not guilty on all counts. The juice is loose. I mean, that's the only thing I could think of because this this was a huge a huge case. I think this was a bigger case than the George uh, what was his name George Zimmerman Trayvon Martin trial. That was an interesting case too. Very important. Very different than this one. Uh, the facts in, in both cases, just very different, uh, similar in some ways, uh, Florida, a standard ground state. I'm not sure exactly if, uh, Wisconsin has laws similar or not to Florida, but two self-defense cases. I mean, when I, when I'm thinking about cases that have been important in the last, 
uh, you know, 25 years or whatever. It's like, in my mind, OJ and then Kyle Rittenhouse. And I'll tell you why. Because both of these came at the end of a lot of civil unrest in the States. A lot of people who didn't live through it, or maybe you just don't remember, OJ came at the end of a time in California, at least, and maybe across the nation. Uh, I was very young at the time, and I'm not looking it up right now. But it came at the end of the 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 Rodney King riots and came towards the tail end of the Roof Koreans, which I was explaining to my my wife before I came on air tonight uh, what the deal was with the Roof Koreans. If you don't know about it, look it up. Hopefully it's on YouTube. You know, I was talking to my wife about 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 this Rittenhouse thing, and, and she was saying, I just don't understand why he was there. Would you go there? And I, I told her, you know, and this is something that I've heard this a lot on the conservative uh, talk shows and that kind of stuff over the past week. And and everybody says, well, that Rittenhouse, he's an idiot. He is an idiot. I mean, he shouldn't have been down there. Why'd he go down there in the first place? I don't understand why he did that. But, you know, I, you know it was self-defense, but he wasn't just a dumb, stupid idiot for going there in the first place. And I just, that talk is so dumb and, and it's, it's unnecessary. Why? Because it gets us away from looking at the facts of the case. And that's what we need to get back to. And that is something, by the way, if I could if I could have a lawyer on here who was a good lawyer, they would tell you, one of the things that we are battling in the Supreme Court right now, and I, and I can't remember that there's two names for this, but you have uh, justices on the Supreme Court who they are there and they go by two things. One, uh, precedence although that would probably be second. But number one, what does the text of the Constitution say? So that's what you have. You have, you have this may not be the right terminology, but textual, uh, textual, text, textualist? <laughs> now I'm making a fool of myself. But basically you have justices on the Supreme Court who make their rulings based on what the text says. Then you have other justices, like that doofus Sotomayor, who makes rulings based on essentially public opinion and based on a political motivation, based on an ideology, not based on the text of the Constitution. And that's where the problem lies. And so when you, on either side, left or right, start saying, well, why was he there in the first place? If it's not relevant to the case, which I don't think in this case it is, if it's not relevant to the case, stop saying that. That only uh, gives the other side a talking point that that is irrelevant, in my opinion. So let's talk about some of the facts. Now, this is a very simplified, uh, very is that even a word? Simplified. This is a very uh, simplistic version of what happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin, last year, uh, in August of last year, 2020. But here are some of the facts of the case that you need to know in case you haven't watched the trial. In case you are bombarded by people on your Facebook spewing out what they say are facts, but are probably not. And I'll mention some of those as I go along here. But this is important to know. So here's the timeline and, and some arguments. Some of these, the, the header here is going to sound like a timeline and it's going to sound or it's going to sound like 
a a point that somebody's trying to make. Sometimes they're both. Sometimes they're one or the other. We'll start with this. Kyle crossed state lines. So one of the first arguments that people will make is, why can you? He crossed state lines illegally with a gun. Uh, did you know that he lived like 20 minutes away? That Kenosha is like 20 minutes away from where he lived in a different state. He had family who lived in Kenosha. He worked there. It'd be like if somebody went and somebody, it'd be like if there was a shooting in New York City and they tried to make the point, they cross state lines. They live in Jersey. Yeah, they do live in Jersey and so do like a hundred thousand or a million other people. And they commute every day to New York City to work. Now, here's where the he crossed state lines becomes a problem. If he carried that gun across state lines and there were a law saying, which there may be the saying that he can't do that, then yes, he should have been charged with that, whether or not the other things were self-defense. But here's the thing. <laughs> he didn't cross state lines with a gun. The gun never left Wisconsin. He was legally in possession of the gun when, when the shootings occurred. So that's a moot point. And that's why that, that charge was eventually thrown out. And then, you know, well, I'll get to the point that I was just going to make a little bit later. So let's talk about first aid and whatnot. So he crossed state lines. He was there. Why? To provide first aid, whatnot. He's been, he was photographed earlier that day removing graffiti from a building, which is a classic sign of a serial killer, uh, removing graffiti and rendering first aid. But people bring up the argument, he wasn't an EMT. What was he doing there? Well, no, he wasn't an EMT. He was 17. But if you got hurt in public, you twisted your ankle or you, I don't know, stepped on some glass and got a cut or, you know, had a Molotov cocktail thrown at you and somebody offered a Band-Aid or something until an ambulance arrived, would you question them? Would you uh, refuse service? No. Did any of the Antifa, Black Lives Matter, or rioters, protesters who needed his services refuse his service that night? Not that I know of. Is it illegal to give somebody a Band-Aid? No. Again, moot point. And also, those first, well, that point especially, is irrelevant to the case. Other than to say, he wasn't there to kill people. What, what you know, killer, active shooter do you know who has showed up to the place first before they start shooting the place up has started by, you know, offering them band-aids or lemonade or anything like that? It just, it's completely illogical. So let's talk about the first shooting. Kyle was at what they have called now, I believe, Car Source 2, which I'm so tired of hearing of car sources. He's chased by a guy who kind of looks like a felon version of Stone Cold Steve Austin, younger, uh, who, by the way, was a convicted child rapist. He threw an object at Kyle and was coming to attack him. Kyle shot him in self-defense. And by the way, after he shot him, when he was cornered, he didn't go start shooting into the crowd. What did he do next? This is very important. What did he do next? If you haven't watched the trial, haven't watched any of the footage, I challenge you to go watch it. He went to go get the police. He called his friend to say, basically, holy crap, I just shot somebody. And then he went to get the police. And that's when the second shooting happened. 
He was running down the street, gets hit in the head with a rock, then falls onto the ground, gets hit, hit in the head with a skateboard, and the person who hit him in the skateboard, I believe his last name is, he's uh, something Zuber, or Huber, Huber, gets shot. Why? Because he was attacking him with a skateboard and trying to take his gun away. I'd like to say something. Number one, in case you didn't know this, you can shoot somebody whether or not they have a gun if they are threatening your life in most states. Now, I wouldn't want to do that in California or one of those, a state like that, because they basically will charge you for sneezing with a gun in your hand. But people will say, and the reason I bring that up is because people say, well, it was only a skateboard. Yeah, who's going to kill somebody with a skateboard? It doesn't matter. We're talking about the law. What does the law say? I'm glad you asked, because I have it right here. The law about self-defense in Wisconsin says, and I quote, A person is privileged to threaten or intentionally use force against another for the purpose of preventing or terminating what the person reasonably believes to be an unlawful interference with his or her person by such other person. What does that mean? That means in the first case with Mr. Ro Rapist Rosenbaum, Kyle believed his life was in danger. It was reasonable. The jury declared so. He shot him. Justified. Number two, he was getting pummeled by a skateboard. Somebody was trying to grab his gun. You know what cops usually do when someone tries to grab their gun? The other person doesn't walk away. Police know in their training, you don't let the other guy get your gun. Because if you do, your life might be over. You might not be going home to see your family that night. Police officers know that. If you know a police officer in your life, ask them. They'll say, no, no, no. I'm not letting anybody touch my gun. And it was the same in this case. Who knows if skateboard man had gotten the gun, who knows what he would have done with it. He might not have only killed Kyle with it. He, might, he could have killed other people around. Clearly, if you watch his body movement, his uh, motor function in the video, skateboard guy wasn't all there. Kyle shot him. Justified. Now, this is the third shooting, and this one to me is the easiest one of all. He had a pistol pointed in his face. Kablam! Bicep. Vaporized. Thankfully, he shot him. And I'm not trying to make light of these deaths. It's serious. People died and people got seriously injured in this. But I'm thankful for, for the control on the trigger that Kyle Rittenhouse had. Because a lot of other people who may have been in that situation may have not been so selective with their pulls of the trigger like Kyle was. Shot him once. He went away. He was no longer the, the um, Grosskreutz was the third, the third guy who got shot. He, once he was shot, was no longer a threat. Kyle stopped shooting. And by the way, <laughs> because I've seen memes who say, if they were in trouble, they should have been charged. Yes. Mr. Grosskreutz should have been charged. Why? Because unlike Kyle Rittenhouse, Grosskreutz was unlawfully, unlawfully carrying a pistol. He should be charged. To this day, he should still be charged for, for brandishing that weapon on Kyle Rittenhouse and for unlawfully carrying it. His license to carry was expired. I'm, I guarantee you, that if he wasn't a gauge-in-the-ear Democrat 
convicted uh I, I won't want to say felon i don't remember if it was a felony or misdemeanor but he spent time he did he's done time too if he wasn't left-leaning he'd be in jail right now gross kreutz would and i challenge you look up the videos of this shooting this wasn't like kyle went around and said i'm killing whoever gets in my way no he never errantly shot anyone every single person that was shot by kyle rittenhouse was the aggressor they attacked first yes they deserve to die why i know that's a very harsh thing to say they deserve to die and maybe deserved isn't isn't the right the right wording i'm willing to say that deserved isn't the right word but i guess what i should say is they should have expected that they were going to die or that we shouldn't be surprised that they died why a lot of people have asked, why did Kyle make the choice to go down there? Da, 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 da. Irrelevant. They should have expected that because they were the ones who made the decision to attack the person of Kyle Rittenhouse. It's the same as were happening in the protests last year. Countless videos of people standing in front of or attacking police cars or cars, people just trying to get home for the night. And then they're shocked when they get ran over. I mean, this is this is like classic humanity 101. Not and it's it really is like I don't know. It's it's a mental disorder or something. And I'm, I'm sorry to say, but it it has to be because it's like when when you your mom says not to touch the oven, and then you do, and you learn the consequence. Except in this case, what probably happened with these kids is they were being raised by leftists was that their mom told them, don't touch the oven. They touched the oven. They got burnt. And then they told the kid, well, just identify as not burnt. Those are probably the things that happened in their, in their childhood. Now, something that we need to go over, if we're really going to understand this, and I am running out of time, so we need to get through this a little quicker. Something we need to understand is the difference between murder, killing, and how self-defense works in with all of that. I'm willing to be challenged on this, but I'm going to offer uh, my opinion or my definition of these things. Willing to be challenged, you can email me, Aaron Arnett at protonmail.com. But killing, here's a definition. Killing is to cause someone to lose their life. Killing in itself is amoral. Now, let me be perfectly clear. Killing was not God's design for us. But in our current state, in our fallen world, it is possible to be, uh, killing is possible to be, it's possible, geez, wow. It's possible that killing can be amoral. For example, you're driving along. Let's say you have to be at work at 3 a.m. So you're driving along downtown, wherever you live doing your thing, minding your own business, and all of a sudden someone jumps out in front of your car as you're going 50 miles an hour. Speed limit was 55, you're going five under. Person jumps out in front of the car. Should you be at fault for that? No, you didn't try to kill them. They were killed, but there was no moral uh, reasoning involved with that. You were just on your way to work. You literally never saw them because they waited and hid behind a bush jumped out at just the right moment for you to hit them with your car. 
Should you be charged for that? No. Amoral. You never thought about it. Now, what's the difference between uh, killing and murder? Murder is that you plan to kill someone and you carry it out to your own benefit. Meaning, for example, if this was murder, that means Kyle decided as he was cleaning up graffiti, man, I'm going to come back here and kill anybody who gets in my way. Anybody who tries to, man, this, cleaning up this graffiti was hard work. If anybody tries to do it any more graffiti, I'm going to kill them. Like, that's, that's, that, that's murder. Cain and Abel kind of stuff. Planning to kill somebody for your own benefit and carrying it out. That's murder. Now, how does self-defense work into this? Well, in the, in the U.S. and in most states, you have the Second Amendment that says, quote, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That means you have the right to defend yourself. And then the last argument, which, which I despise, I absolutely despise this argument. Well, if he was black, he wouldn't have been found guilty. I don't care for that comment. Let's talk about the case and the case itself. Watch the video. What happened on the video? Does he act in accordance with the law? Absolutely. A jury of 12 of his peers thought so as well. He acted in accordance with the law. So if you're going to discuss this case, the moral of the story that I want you to know, discuss the facts of the case. Don't discuss why he was there. Know what the law is. I read to you what the Wisconsin law is on self-defense. And you know how you can find it? You can literally Google Wisconsin self-defense law. You'll find the text of the law. Make your arguments on the text of the law and the evidence presented. Don't make it on ideas if you're talking with these with this talking about this at the water cooler. Okay, just a couple of minutes left here, and uh, I can't believe how how much time has gone by so fast. But you have undoubtedly heard of what happened in uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin yesterday at, at 4.39 p.m. A maroon Ford Escape ran through a Christmas parade. Five people they've announced uh, were killed. A 79-year-old Virginia Sorensen, 71-year-old Leanna Owen, 52-year-old Jane Coolidge, 52-year-old Tamara Durand, and 81-year-old Wilhelm Hospel. Uh, a suspect was, arre- was arrested, 39-year-old Daryl E. Brooks, and uh, guess what? He does have a criminal record. This according to NBC News. Brooks, who has a significant criminal history, was questioned overnight with investigators examining the possibility that the driver had been fleeing an earlier incident involving a knife fight. The Milwaukee DA's office released a summary Monday of pending charges including second-degree recklessly endangering safety and being a felon in possession of a firearm from July 2020. In lieu of a speedy trial, which wasn't possible at the time, his bail was reduced from $7,500 to $500. He posted bail in February. Guess what? He also posted bail for other uh, recklessly endangering safety, safety, disorderly conduct, and battery, and posted a $1,000 cash bond on November 11th. I don't know what's happening here in America other than to say that the prince of this world is running wild. We have to pray as a nation. We have to pray for our nation. We need to be 
one nation under God. We need to come together and say that we resist evil. That will be very difficult. We can't agree. We can't agree what's evil anymore. In the Rittenhouse trial aftermath, most people you see online that disagree with the verdict claim that the people Rittenhouse shot were poor victims. That's not the truth. They were all convicted criminals who were out to kill Kyle Rittenhouse. If we can't agree on what's evil and what's good, can we survive? God only knows. I thank you for listening. I'm Aaron Arnett. Be sure you don't miss a single minute from the future of radio. Subscribe to The Aaron Arnett Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at AaronArnett.show. And if you have comments or questions, send an email to AaronArnett at ProtonMail.com. Thanks for listening to The Aaron Arnett Show.